everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. All right. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Just bear with me while I readjust this. Chloe's just playing with her nipples. I just need to readjust this. The padding is like in my armpit and my boob is... Why, like don't you just take out the padding of those bras? No, 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 no. Because my nipples are aggressive on a good day. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> just <laughs> embrace it. Oh, do you know what? Someone sent me an article. One of my friends sent me an article. Like, this is what they've been spending like science money on, right? This was obviously funded where they showed um, men pictures of women. And if you can see their nipples, they're more likely to loan them money than if, if you can't write shocking. But, but they label oh. it as more likely to quote unquote help them out than yeah. like if you couldn't. And he yeah. was like, your nipples are always on show. I was like, I know. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You're winning at life. And then if you tell a straight man that you're a lesbian, fucking you're off. You're in. Winner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. That's um, exactly what I want. I mean, obviously, that's why you decided to become gay. <laughs> that's why I made that distinct life choice. And guys, it's a choice. It is your choice. <laughs> we all come to that time where we make that choice. <laughs> okay, let's go. Also, congratulations to Carrie. Oh my God, holy shit. I was like, I was like, cause you know, I'd like just completely forget. I was like, make a mental note to start podcast to just directly speaking to Kerry congratulations we're so happy for you everyone's so happy for you even people who aren't on the EC method on Instagram were like oh my god Kerry had her baby like Kerry's famous she actually is everyone's followed that pregnancy journey I'm, so that's very exciting it's so exciting it's so lovely and her little girl I said it in my response to her. we'll just brush over the name thing because obviously that's uh, we no. didn't even get in as a middle name. Middle. We're not best pleased about it, but it's fine. We'll park that for now. Um, but she's such a cute little munchkin. She doesn't even look like a, like a squished old man newborn. She yeah, but looked, isn't that because she didn't have a vaginal, a vaginal birth. birth? Well, yes and no. I mean, mine is a little bit cuter. The 3D scan of mine, she already looks very squashed. Yeah, but she's squashed inside your womb. Inside all my, yeah. I mean... Yeah, but I'm. She's a cute little thing. I'm very excited to watch her grow. <laughs> she is beautiful. I'm gonna sneeze. Now I've said it, I'm probably not. So should we okay. <laughs> sorry, for, sorry everyone. I know everyone was really excited about that, but Chloe's actually not gonna sneeze now. Oh, so. so we've got another. Wait, it's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, stop. Do it for the full hour. <laughs> So hang on. So we've got this round finishes in seven days, pretty much. Alec Craig David. And then and then if Kerry, what we need to do is we need to make sure that Kerry gets the Facebook link. Because I don't think she's Oh, don't it. worry. I'm on it. I'm on it. We're going to force her to come in because we need to document the child's life. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And also we've got a little something that will be on its way. Oh, have you done that yet? I've not done it yet, but I, I will be on it as soon as it opens on Monday. Yeah. 
Emma and I capitalizing on this child being born. Obviously, it'll have a name badge on it saying Clamour, her real name, her Christian name, her God given name. You wait till she's old enough to tell you that she wants to change her name because she will. Oh, she will. She'll know. But my mum's parents changed her name at three years old. Yeah, I feel like Miley Cyrus changed her name from Destiny to Miley as soon as she had the legal ability to do so. Destiny? Wow. Yeah, she was like, no, Miley's a great name, actually, for a girl. Yeah, I like that name. Miley. Mm-hmm. Think about that. I know, but I don't want everyone thinking about some, like, you know, girl twerking with a giant foam finger and her tongue out her mouth every time they... Yeah, but don't, don't you think people will be over that by then? Yeah, I think they probably already are. Anyway. Yeah. I didn't think about that with Miley Cyrus anymore. I just think of her unbelievable voice. Have you seen her her backyard sessions? Where what is the song? What this one song in particular? Oh my god! I think it's a Bob Dylan song. Her voice is another. It's a like a Was it that bit? <laughs> no, it's not that bit, Emma. Her oh, voice okay. is insane. And did you watch that video of what happened to Justin Bieber? He's had he's had some virus which has made half his face go basically become paralyzed i think it's only temporary thank god but watching the video i was like oh my god you would panic the fuck out if you woke up and you were like okay half my face isn't moving oh my um, god yeah and apparently he's getting loads of shit from fans for cancelling i'm like i think i think you should leave him alone for a minute guys it's not just like i can't be bothered to turn up he's like literally half my face is not yeah yeah but I think it's just about it's just like a temporary effect of a virus which is bizarre I didn't know that a virus could do that but effects like the nerve endings in your face it's really weird anyway oh right well I'm glad that let's move on everyone's up to date on pop culture we'll move on um and after this we're going to do a live which has a bit of a topic around aging and around menopause and I read this morning the post so I put up a post this I put up a post this week about people's experience from within EC method around menopause and I was almost crying reading half of those they're incredible I've been reading them since since you put it up because people have been tagging us in them and I'm just like holy like I mean I just felt really proud of us and really proud of everyone it's it's I think it's probably like the most feel-good stream we've had since we started DC method. Hello, James. Um so yeah, I, I yeah. it was it's it, phenomenal. Thank you. I think as well, like we we say we try and say this a lot. Thank you for saying it, for saying everything, because not only are your testimonials useful to us on a business sense, in a personal slash professional sense, they really go a long way and like the EC method is you know something that Emma and I have continued to kind of put a lot of time and energy into and you know with every round you know there's always a question mark of like should we do another round should we take some time after that and it just is like no this is something that we need to do and keep doing for the long haul so yeah thank you so much yeah I say this kind of leads on to a question I had for you actually which and this is a good example although not what I was initially thinking about but that gives us so much motivation like unlimited amounts of motivation when you hear like the good that people are getting from the the ec method or the work that we put in so my question is because a lot of people say like no one can give you motivation do you think that you can and i guess that is that the difference between giving someone motivation and giving someone inspiration 
Yeah, I do. I think motivation is transitory. I see it like an emotion. Like, you know, you have days where we all know it can, you can apply it to everything. It doesn't have to be the gym or the diet. You have days where you feel really, quote unquote, motivated to, to go. You feel happy, you feel energetic. And it is transitory, like any emotion. Like when you wake up in the morning and you jump out of bed and your energy, it's basically energy, let's be honest. It's feeling energetic to do something. Um, and I think that everyone has days where things, you know, life is, complex and there's a lot of moving parts things happen and you lose that energy and you feel very lackluster and you know you you really really struggle and you're not going to have motivation every day and even athletes don't have motivation every day and the reason they're professional athletes is because they kept fucking doing it anyway and they kept giving it their 110 percent every opportunity even when they couldn't be fucking asked um but i do think that inspiration is a different word and i do think and this certainly applies to me even when you're having a shit day, if you read something or see something, like I know I get it on Instagram when I see girls that I really look up to training like a fucking badass. Like, say if they're competing and they're really lean, I know they're in hell and they're in the gym anyway at 5 a.m. training hard. I'm like, fucking get up, girl, and go to the gym. But it can apply in any context, like this, like this um, menopause post. Um, and I do think it can it can kind of force some short-lived wind into your sails that you can then ride out to get something done. Um, but I do think they're, diff- they're distinctions. I don't think they're the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think you you are probably right. Although maybe you could, the way I see motivation as well is that like you, you're completely right. It is transitory, like it comes and goes, but there is like an underlying motivation as in like, I still want that end goal. So I'm still going to do it. Like yeah. it, and you can get all like stupidly nuanced with this but if you're not motivated to do something you don't do it like you can't re- like at some level you'd have to be motivated to take that first step yeah but I think um the reason I was talking about this is because or the reason I was thinking about this is because someone messaged me thinking about signing up and she's like will it give me motivation yeah I get that I was like yeah. look no one can give you mo- like you still have to do the work but in some ways yeah like when you log into the group and you see what everyone else is doing, you see how motivating that is. And I think what's way more motivating than seeing like Shredder Julie going to the gym because she loves going to the gym every morning. And yeah, she's got an incredible physique. But when you hear like, pa- wait, what does PFD stand for again? Pammy. No, it's FPD. Frank Pammy Diamond. Yeah. Frank yeah. Pammy Diamond. But like her story about having breast cancer, about not being able to take HRT, about doing this stuff anyway, like that to me is so much more motivating and inspirational. And also sometimes that from like, a yeah, like from a positive standpoint as well of like, okay, I thought I was quite stressed out because, you know, I've not managed to get X, Y, and Z done this week, but like, look at what, what other people are doing with way more constraints in some ways. And then it gives you that like, I don't think it quite is motivation, but is it like inspiration that yes, you can do this and yeah. amazing some other people in the group are. And that's so inspiring. Like we have some incredibly inspiring people in the group. And I don't think you guys give yourself credit that that's way more inspirational than some fitness girl that's always been in shape and actually quite likes going to the gym every day. So she still goes to the gym every yeah. day, even on the day she's vaguely unmotivated. I think it's like a perspective prompt. So with FPD and her, also I, there's, there's something about the outlook, certain people's outlook and not everybody is like this, but like Lizzie's one of them, FPD's another one, we're just staying with FPD. There's something about the outlook where someone's like, 
yeah the, like very matter of fact like yes this stuff has happened to me and we, we're all human we know even if you don't say it that that couldn't have been easy to go through we all immediately can imagine wow that must have been quite a battle internally and externally because then you have to deal with all your friends and family and it it turns into this whole thing and I and and actually then when when she speaks on it and it's like yeah so you know, I'm really trying to get my chest press up. And I know it's not the double mastectomy. We look at all the push-ups. I know it's not the double mastectomy because my chest press is back to where it was. I know it's not this. And I, I just want to nail this. I know I've got this. And you're just like, you're someone who's clearly had to go through some stuff to get where you are. And like, look at this, like, look at this. And I think it's a prompt to everyone to be like, and we have to be very careful when we say sentences like this because of mental health, which is not a choice. You know, we all know that, you know, we are predisposed and, you know, also in terms of circumstance, things, things can occur with our mental health, which are 100% out of our control. But I just want to flag that. And now let's just park that for a minute. It is a nice reminder that a lot of the time, how you choose to live your day-to-day -day life and how you choose to go about your day-to-day -day life in terms of your perspective and your attitude is a choice. Um, and it is phenomenal. And I definitely think there were, there were three or four real stories under that post where I was just like, holy shit, we're so lucky that we get to do what we do with the clients that we get to do it with because like, they're just, 100% a driving force behind the EC method to keep the positivity and the momentum high. And it's amazing. Yeah. I agree. And I think so much of your outlook on life is a choice. And I think so many of us without, this is again, why we think that journaling is so important, but wow, that's a great thing. <laughs> Sorry, so many of us like without realizing let little things basically like without exaggeration, ruin your life. Like, if you're letting spilling milk literally or being late for something or being a little bit stressed or having a couple of different things on or not hitting your calories or not being able to get your steps in for one day if you're letting that really negatively impact your life and negatively impact how you show up for things and your mood like your mood is so important that's going to impact that's going to dictate how how much you enjoy your own life and like there isn't that much that's more important than that so just be aware like and I think this is where journaling comes in really useful of, of the mood that you're like approaching the day with and, and being better at letting things go. Like instead of being late in the morning and then letting that dictate your mood for the rest of the day, be like, okay, I was late, but how do I want to show up? I still want to show up at my best. I'm going to drop the fact that, I don't know, I lost a bit of money or I spilt milk in the morning or I was late for the train or, you know, whatever little stresses that happened. And I'm still going to show up at my best. And I think that's what we mean by choosing to be positive. We're not saying choose not to have depression. We're saying choose not to let little insignificant things in your life massively impact your mood. That's where your choice yeah. is. Absolutely. You said something then. I was like, oh, I want to touch on that, but it's gone now. I also okay. think that, and this is probably a bias just from my own experience, but, and this is very distinct, but probably cancer survivors in general, but my own experience, like breast cancer survivors, seem to have such a positive outlook. And I think yeah, something. I agree. Yeah, when you've been through so much, then you do let go of those things. You're like, I've been through this much. I'm not going to let like this tiny in like you know this tiny thing that I was late for something or blah 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 impact my mood for the day because I can I've got perspective now and I can see what's important and what's not important yeah and well, they just tend to give like they just have incredible vibes 
No, I completely agree. I realized um, what I was going to say. Another piece of advice that's really tricky is that stress is incredibly bad for you, both mentally and physically. For your mental and physical health, it's incredibly bad. Um, I'm, I'm talking about perceived stress here, like Emma keeps referencing crying over spilled milk, right? Um, so it's quite nice every time you feel yourself starting to get wound up and frustrated and stressed about something to stop and remind yourself, this is going to have an impact on my health. So I'm going to have a choice now. How am I going to deal with this? Because stress isn't, is not the answer. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't do anything. All it does is have a negative impact on your health. Um, but it's like the sleep thing, how we always say, like, there are some people who knowing that is now going to stress them out more. <laughs> And then we're like, yeah. oh no. And then I think we've gone the other way. Like really interesting research, which will completely change how you think about stress is Alina Crumb's research. I don't know if I say that right or wrong, but anyway, she's on YouTube. And if you just put in, I think if you put in stress TED Talk YouTube, you'll see it. And it's an incredible piece of research that kind of shows that your perception of stress is so important. And actually exactly. the way that you think about it and you tell yourself, you know, I'm stressed about X, Y, and Z because I have incredible things in my life. Yeah. And actually reframing that and be like, hey, let me take away all the stress of your life. All of it is linked to the best things in your life. If you're stressed yeah. because you've got so much to do for your kids, that's because you love your kids and you want the best for them. If you're stressed because of something that's going on at work, that's usually because you have a stressful job that you actually care about. Anything that you're stressed about means that you care about it. And when you see it from that perspective, you're like, okay, like it, in some ways, my stresses, and I'm not saying it's always easy, right? But in some ways, like my stresses are gifts. Like they are the best parts of my life. And when you see it like that, it kind of reduces weirdly the stress. But this yeah. research shows that if you are, if you frame stress as always negative, it will have negative output. But if you frame it as a positive, and in some ways it is, right? We tend to perform at our best at our highest stress point. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not highest stress because there's that optimal level of arousal curve, but when you're very stressed yeah, nice panic attack. <laughs> yeah that's why people run pbs at the olympics right but it's managed stress as yeah. opposed to like you don't run a pb in training because there's a reduced level of stress there so it's yeah. not always a bad thing and even when you think about how much work you get done when you know you have a deadline that stress that stress is making you work harder yeah it's, it's not always a negative but chloe's right like if you perceive it as a negative and it weighs you down and it means you don't show up at your best and then it, it's like fatiguing and you're not sleeping as well and then you've got anxiety and you're worrying about things that haven't even happened yet that can cause negative outcomes for sure no yeah but this is why you work on, on reframes this is why you do it and ultimately ultimately and this is something that really comforts me and i'm a mega stress head nobody cares we're all here for a certain period of time and then we die and that's it like nobody cares as much as you care <laughs> <laughs> that normally takes me down from that panic attack level to the positive perception of stress level and chills me out. But it is interesting with that athletes, like, I mean, from a performance mental standpoint, I, I'm in total awe of how they reframe everything. And I mean, you wouldn't get me fucking out on that pitch for love nor money. I'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Staying here, thanks. Oh God, me neither. Right. Oh, Kerry's here. Hello from the maternity <laughs> ward. She's definitely a Clemmer and shouldn't have named her after her two grandmothers. We've made a terrible mistake. Yeah, you really have. You're gonna you regret could, that. You could call her Clemmy, and then you're merging Chloe, Emma, and the grandmothers. Obviously, the grandmothers come last. I come first. Emma, somewhere. It reminds me a little bit of Flemmy, though. 
I like the name Clemmy. I like all French names for girls. I think they're gorgeous. James wasn't though, so. Oh. Yo, Kerry, you're in the maternity ward. I mean, well, hang on. I think you had a C-section in the end, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah she said hell of an operation, which can only mean one thing. Um, so we, we need, I mean, as much as you're willing to share, we need to know. Yeah, we need a birth. full rundown. We need a full debrief. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, ladies, posted on the page yesterday about how I'm off to Ibiza this weekend for a Hindu. I'm now getting the fear about not having any structure for four days. And I'm sorry, I think it's meant to say, and in my head, I'm convinced I'm going to come back a whale. Any tips for managing my expectations? Yeah, it's everything that we we already talk about, just applied in a different country. You know, it's can <laughs> it's just simple. Okay, we'll start with probably the biggest reach of all. Like, well, okay, we'll do, okay, we'll start with expenditure. Can you get up maybe two of the four mornings you're there and go do a workout at the hotel gym? Like, is that possible, or are you going to be absolutely hanging from the night before? In which case, the answer is no. So whatever, whatever your answer is, that's your answer. If we have to park workouts, which a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people do on holiday, can you be active? Can you make sure that, you know, you walk to the shop to get your water in or whatever? Can you go for a swim? Just even like a 10, 20 minute swim in the sea or in the pool, you know, sometime in that kind of like morning, early afternoon area. Um, you know, what can you basically just be consciously aware without necessarily setting yourself like they just said 10, 20 minute swim targets? Can you just be consciously aware to stay active? Like this is a huge part of your total daily energy expenditure. So just being aware of that is going to be great. Can you make consciously smart decisions, read your diet at, say, breakfast and lunch, and then maybe be more indulgent at dinner and obviously with alcohol? Or maybe if it's Ibiza, you know, big lunches are a thing. So can you be conscious for your diet with breakfast, have your big lunch, and then rein it in at dinner? Like, I know that after a big lunch in Ibiza, I ain't eating dinner. Like, you finish up at, like, 5.30 anyway, and you're stuffed. Um, you know, instead of having five pina coladas, can you have gin and slimline tonics? you know, which is a fifth of the calories. I mean, the, this is what we mean. Just making content, you can still go, have fun. You don't have to train. You don't have to go on an hour long walk every day. You don't have to track your calories and macros, but what can you do? What's a nice middle ground? It's just about being consciously aware of healthier habits. And that's what we're all about here at the EC Method. <laughs> Love um, it. She's just said, probably will be absolutely hanging. I've barely drunk since so my baby. So it's going to kill me there. Honestly, it's four days, Megan. Like it's four days in the context of the rest of your life. Like even, and, and just do exactly what Chloe's saying. Make sensible decisions. Don't eat past fullness. Make good choices depending on what's on the menu, but have a bit of what you fancy. Don't overdrink. Choose sensible choices when you are drinking. That's it. And it's four days. And then when you get back, get straight back on track and don't weigh yourself the day you get back because you will probably- Don't weigh yourself for a week. Yeah, yeah, just get back on track for a week and then you can weigh yourself if you want to. But like, I think this is the thing that really trips people up with dieting and, and it kind of goes like too far the other way of we want you to enjoy your life. Like The whole reason you probably came to the EC method is at least partly, maybe not the whole reason, but at least partly because I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to enjoy my life. Right. I want to show up to these events. I want to be able to wear whatever I want to wear and feel good. I want to be able to go to Ibiza and wear a bikini and feel confident in my body. And then you're literally limiting yourself. Like you've done all the hard work and now you're like, oh, I don't want to go in case I eat too many calories. Like it does not matter in the grand scheme. And four days out of 
you know, the context of months of fat loss isn't going to make any difference. It's how you respond to that and the choices you make. If you go in with the headset of, oh, it's four days to eat as much as I want, then yeah, you probably will put on a load of fat or at least some. But if you go in with, I'm going to make sensible decisions, but I'm going to enjoy myself. It's four days. And when I get back, I'm going to get straight back on track. And I know that over the month, I'm still going to be in a deficit. In fact, like if fat loss is still my goal, I'm still going to be a deficit over the month. Let's focus on that instead of worrying about, you know, it's just another smaller scheme of people worrying about being in a deficit every single day instead of looking at the week as an average. We use the week because, you know, you have to use some form of time. And that is essentially how most people think of their weeks or their lives, right? We break it up into weeks. But there's no reason why you couldn't be like, I want to be in a calorie deficit on average over the month. Like it's still an average over time. That's what's going to dictate your body fat stores. So try not to overstress about that and go and have a freaking awesome time. Yeah, first I beat the trip since baby. Oh my God, you're going to be in a hole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Not a question, just to say thanks. Chloe, the mind to muscle connection has been a game changer with my workouts and Emma, your VJ is inspiring. (laughs) I'm so glad that I called it VJ. And I'm so glad that you're calling it inspiring. I will be encouraging others to explore it. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, Everyone is welcome at the BJ. Who wrote that? Polly. Oh, nice. Good. Like to know that. Like to hear that. Is that it for the live? Yeah, we're up to date on the live. Fine. Oh, wait. Someone's saying that the sound's gone. I don't know how it could have gone. Um, Please let us know if it's back. Let me have a look. Unless it's somehow connected to my AirPods. No, it's not. No, it's fine. Um, Mine's fine. I think it's you, babe. (laughs) I think it's a you problem, but it is Liz and... Oh, then it's about not a you problem. Lorna. Mine's fine. I think it's you, babe. Well, it's working, so... Oh, that makes me like, oh, that makes me get all like cat's cradle in my head. What with the sound? Yeah, I was really upset the last IG live we did that it was like, we didn't know that it was, or I didn't know that it was Skippy. And then I watched it back and I was like, oh, <laughs> really um, Just because uh, everyone else is saying it's fine. Okay, it's fine. Let's continue. Okay, I just exited Facebook. It's classic, mate. Okay. I am so hungry. Okay, here we are. Mary Lizzie. Oh, that's my grandma's name and my aunt's name. Hmm. Okay, I am devastated. I have just sublapsed. Wow, I don't. Oh, I already answered this. Okay, right. Let's get rid of that then. What does sublapsed mean? Sublapsed is in like dislocated, but not quite fully. Subluxed. I thought it was called subluxed, but okay. I could be very wrong. We know that. Hey, we can't always be right, Emma. No. <laughs> Which we know all too well. <laughs> <clears throat> Kelly Barrett. 
Hi ladies, non-style victory last week was a 10K PB and second fastest female, which I'm sure was partly due to including three resistance workouts per week along with my running, as I felt so much stronger. Next goal is a half marathon PB in September. And my training will be increasing with runs four to five times per week, per week at 27 to 30 miles. 45 times per week. Is that on our, is that 27 to 30 miles over the week or four? I, I hope so. Because you can't, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even if you can, I mean, I would, I mean, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Not even, like, even Paula Radcliffe doesn't run that much. No, and I've seen this before with some marathon trainers that they do like too, too much. And I'm like, don't need to do that much. Like, but I don't want to, you know, whatever. You clearly know what you're doing. I don't want to step on your toes, but let us know. Maybe clarify that. What advice do you have when it comes to including resistance workouts throughout my week? I'm conscious that I should also include one to two rest days per week. Uh, okay, and we'll get to the next point after. So um, honestly, when I program my marathon clients, I program really for three runs per week. Normally one is what we would call like an easy run um, of those three. The other two, it kind of depends on the client and, you know, the experience of marathon running and their endurance adaptation. Um, and then I will typically um, ask for two to three full bodies um also per week but they're really short sessions they, they cap them at like half an hour and then they'll get like one to two full rest days a week and obviously as we get closer to the marathon itself there I do also taper down certainly with strength training quite early but then also with the runs as well um so yeah I mean that's what I, I think you're right to to think about how you can include them but I also think you're right to make sure you have one to two rest days a week I wouldn't have someone doing five long or hard runs a week. I think that's too much, um, personally. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, she does say that that's per week, the mileage. So that's Thank much better. God. But I was also really impressed. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. Or even just think about the time commitment of that. Like, surely there's something better you could be utilizing that time for yeah so okay I anyway think... that's that's much better and much easier to deal with uh yeah, yeah I do think it's, it's good to have a balance of both it's certainly good to have rest days because remember that exercise is the stimulus you then have to recover from that stimulus in order to like adapt to that training and then become better fitter faster stronger so I think I think like keeping that balance is really good make sure that I don't know if you've got a fat loss goal does she say well the next question we'll move on to this she says any advice to make sure that I'm fueling myself well enough? Should I increase my carbohydrates? Yes. Carbohydrates yeah. would be the dominant macronutrient in your diet. Um, it's also make sure you're getting enough protein, but yes, carbohydrates are going to be your best friend. Um, should I increase my carbohydrates? I'm currently on 2000 calories. I'm five foot three and 51 kgs. The goal has been maintenance, but also to build some muscle and get stronger as I turned a bit puny uh thank you so much I'm already looking forward to the next round yeah if you feel like you've been at maintenance and you're already looking a bit puny and now you're going to or you had looked a bit puny and now you're kind of like in a slightly better zone you're only going to start looking puny again can we just I love the word puny when you start increasing your um 
expenditure like this with the training. So I would start by coming up to at least 2,200 and maybe will it likely will increase as we go. Um, 100%, you want to be making sure that you're getting in a really good amount of carbs. Um, uh, pretty much in every meal throughout the day, to be honest. And of course, your protein. And that is definitely something I would be focusing on. Yeah. Emma? Yeah, I would try and add in those extra calories as carbs around your runs. Mm -hmm. So part of that will be what what you're suited to is in. Do you find that you feel really sick before you run if you've eaten too close to it or, you know, can can you eat straight after the run? There's two sides to that, I think, because it, it is important for endurance athletes to be able to consume carbohydrates close to, if not sometimes during their runs. Yeah. And a lot of people will be like, why can't I feel sick doing that? But there is an element of training that you can do, like you can train your gut to be able to manage carbohydrates while you run and stuff. So I would obviously listen to your body, but also kind of play with that a little bit, just because at one point you had a banana before you ran and then you felt really sick. Like it doesn't mean that all carbs are going to do that or that you're never going to be able to eat anywhere near your run. So a, a lot of this, and I hate that this seems like a little bit of a cop-out answer, but a lot of fueling performance is trying it and adapting it and yeah. and also your needs to do this now during your training so that when you get to race day and this is a mistake a lot of marathon runners make is they're like oh yeah throughout training I didn't take any carbs on while I ran and now I think I'm gonna like have all these gels just before I run or like in the middle of my race or something and then unsurprisingly they get gastrointestinal distress however that manifests for them whether they feel sick whether they get pain whether they shit themselves like whatever it's not what you want to happen on race day not the end of the world in a training run because worst case scenario you're like shit I won't do that again or I'll make sure I manage that better or blah blah blah, blah try these things out in your training runs so that when you get to race day you know exactly what you're doing and do not change a thing on race day I completely agree I mean and you know these kind of intra workout or intra run carbohydrates are designed to be fast digesting and to to get where they need to go quickly but Emma's completely right like don't just trial it on the day oh my god I can even imagine I would definitely be in trouble if I did that <laughs> As given you know. yesterday's chat yeah yesterday. you'll be a pro babe right hazel's here <laughs> saying looking forward to diving into your vj but i'm <laughs> but i'm off on holiday in two weeks can i check if it's better to start it while on holiday or when i'm living normally just do it now and then for the rest of your life yeah can we all just remember that time when emma went dive in and got hovering caught in her <laughs> <laughs> That was a great time. But then with midpoint, so had to make her whole point. What, Chloe? I'm a professional, so I kept going. <laughs> she kept going. <laughs> Fuck, we need to find that and bring it back. Right, okay, Paul is here. Hi, ladies. <laughs> at the end of the round, I won't be able to stay on as hubby has been made redundant. Sorry, I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> I am kicked. Um, I'm loving this new way of life and intend to continue by myself for a bit until he's working again. Will I still be able to access the Facebook April group to look through recipe ideas, inspiration, etc.? If not, I'll spend the week taking notes. Everything will shut. Um, so you won't have access to it. I don't know what happens when we archive the group, if you can still see old posts. Yeah, I think when we archive the group, you can still actually see everything. Oh, okay. Then you will be able to see it. You just can't. Yeah, you can't interact with it. So yeah, it will still be there. 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, I think that does happen because I sometimes go back to old groups and take posts that have all the links to the stuff. And... Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Samantha Sutherland. Hello, I have two cues. One, why is it 20 uh, grams of protein at a time, the golden number? It's not, it's the minimum. And to be honest, you know, more would likely be better unless you're talking about something like a whey. Um, basically, we want to make sure that you're getting your protein in per serving. You're getting enough in um, to a degree that's going to spike muscle protein synthesis. And the kind of the lowest amount that you're going to do that with is probably with 20 grams of whey specifically, because that is a protein source that has enough of the amino acid leucine in it to do that. Um, really, if you're talking about other things, like I think the next one on the list is egg, I think, casein, and then like animal like meats and stuff like chicken breast, blah, 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 blah. Um, really anywhere between 20 to 40 grams. So that's why we say we give you a protein target. You may as well get it right you know, 20 to 40 grams of serving. Um, Emma, anything to add? I think where people maybe get a little bit confused here or misinterpret it a little bit is that if you get, say you needed 30 grams of the certain protein source that you are, that you're eating to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis because that has about three grams of leucine in say that was the situation. If you only ate 20 grams of that, it's not like you would get no benefit whatsoever. Like you'd still stimulate NPS. You just wouldn't maximize and saturate that response. And I think I quite like to give this example because it puts it into context for people. And a lot of what we suggest in terms of exercise and steps and your nutrition and maybe just generally your behaviors is like trying to get you the biggest bang for your buck. So trying to get you the most results for the effort that you put in that doesn't mean that you have to completely saturate the effort that you put in so we might have someone who can train three times a week would they technically get better results training five times a week probably but they're going to get the vast majority of those results from three times a week and the same is true with protein like the research shows that if you have 20 grams of and i think this was whey protein 20 grams of protein this was done on 80 kilogram men 70 or 80 kilogram men 20 grams of protein almost maximally stimulates muscle protein synthesis. Now, when you give them 40 grams, it does increase a little bit, but only by 10%. So yeah. you now have to consider, is it worth it for me to double my protein intake at the cost of calories, at the cost of actual expense, at the cost of the environmental impact of whatever protein you're consuming, all of these things to consider, is it worth me doubling my protein intake for that extra 10% of protein synthesis, I would suggest for the vast majority of people, no. Bear in mind that MPS isn't directly correlated. That doesn't mean that you're going to have 10% more muscle mass by any stretch of the imagination. So you have to consider like for you, what's the cost benefit of increasing my protein here? And remember that protein doesn't just have an MPS response. It also increases satiety. So you might be like, actually, yeah, having 40 grams of protein does suit me better in this meal because it keeps me fuller for longer and I enjoy it and it keeps me really satiated. Great, that's your choice. But I think people get a little bit confused with the 20 gram thing because, you know, sometimes you need a little bit more to ma maximize that response. Sometimes, it, and if you got a little bit less, it's not like, well, there's no point. You won't have saturated the response. There's no point eating it at all. So it's all a bit of a spectrum, but aiming for around 20 grams as a minimum is a really good idea. 
Reach it, sister. Okay. Second question from Samantha. Why should we eat carbs around workouts? Would it be better to have toast or a protein bar? which is lower carb, but I always thought you were supposed to eat protein after a workout. Okay, so um, carbohydrates are um, especially, I wanna say monosaccharides, but we don't need to go into that anyway. Carbohy carbohydrates are the body's preferred. Wow, energy. you just went deep. I could see your brain being like, oh, shall I go into- Is it disaccharides or monosaccharides, which it's mono, which, yeah, yeah, which are the body's number one preferred source of carbohydrate, of energy um, and fuel. Um, so it makes sense, especially if you're an endurance athlete, but, you know, also if you are, you know, resistance training to get some carbs in around your workouts. When you, when you consume carbohydrates, uh, your blood glucose rises, that's going to get used for energy. And then what you don't use for energy will get stored as muscle and liver glycogen. So it's a good thing to do uh, kind of pre-workout and post-workout in terms of replenishing those glycogen stores to get your carbohydrates in. Um, now, protein is a different thing in and of itself. So a protein bar, I wouldn't cl class as a something you know great to have is a pre-workout for example um especially considering that the the carbohydrates which are going to be in it you know aren't aren't going to be kind of doing that utilizing that response but you want to be able uh to promote tissue reco lean recovery lean tissue recovery post-workout with protein um, and a really good way to do it is to get it in with your carbohydrates so that you spike the insulin response so that the protein and the carbohydrates can get into the muscle quickly post-workout. It's a nice thing to do, but it's a very optimal thing to do. It's not necessary for, you know, as long as you're getting in your protein, you know, throughout regular intervals throughout the day, as we just talked about MPS, it's, you don't necessarily have to go hell for leather and make sure that you're doing the optimal kind of structured protein and carbohydrate intake around your training, unless your training is incredibly important to you and your physique results are incredibly important to you. And you have the time, the inclination, the passion. And as Emma talked about, you know, the finances in many cases to be able to make your diet optimal. In which case, yeah, do I think that getting carbohydrates in around training is a good idea and getting protein and carbs in post-workout is optimal? Yeah, I do, because it is. Um, that was really yeah. hard for the brain. <laughs> I um, I think I probably see that in the opposing way a little bit, where it, it depends on the kind of training you're doing, right? If you're doing endurance training, I'm like, yeah, you should be having carbs around your workout, unless for some reason you're trying to deplete glycogen. Separate conversation. Mm -hmm. If you're doing like the workouts that we've programmed for you, do you need to fuel up on carbs before that? Almost definitely not. Like there's probably going to be more than enough muscle glycogen in your muscles to do a resistance training workout like you don't need to be carb loading beforehand it only depletes 20 percent in a 24-hour window so yes there's always going to be enough in uh, yeah like especially if you're having numerous meals in between each workout right so you don't yeah. need, really need to worry about i wouldn't worry about carb timing in the slightest if you enjoy having carbs before your workout fine if you want to have them after fine realistically and this is the, the, the kind of the same goes for protein. I always make sure that I have protein either an hour before or after a workout, right? Same. Not like with it, if it's, you know, one hour and 15 minutes because it took longer to cook the protein. 
not going to stress about that but I try to time that now I never have to think about it because I will almost always either have a meal within that time frame as well like bearing in mind that's like three hours of the day an hour before an hour for workout and then an hour after so normally you don't really have to think about it I'll often just have a protein shake after because just for ease but if you're having a meal after you don't really need to worry about that either so I think people kind of overcomplicate that and then when they put it into their real life situation they're like oh I'm already doing it like the reason that we don't massively emphasize you have to do this is because the vast majority of you will already be doing it without even thinking about it and for these workouts I'm not stressed about carbs as long as you're getting some in throughout the day not not really an issue I agree and I think it's like like I say unless you know and I don't know if Emma Emma, I'm sure is the same unless you have like a real athlete like client it's not something that you really need to nail down like it's not like Emma said as long as you're getting in your protein at three to five hour intervals 20 to 40 grams throughout the course of the day hitting kind of a minimum of 100 gram daily intake for a female we're really happy you're already doing what you need to do you know, if you're like, I want to get on stage and, you know, next year, and this is my window to build as much muscle as possible, probably going to have a bit of a different conversation in terms of what's optimal and can, what, how far, how close to optimal can we get you? But yeah. no, I mean, and Emma and I don't do that, you know. Certainly and not same anymore. with carbs. Like if you were like, oh, I've got a 20 mile run in the morning and then in the evening I need to do some HIIT training I'd be like right we need to work out what what you're doing carb wise but then you would be like if you're doing that kind of training like you're kind of elite level athlete status and you know yeah you most workouts yeah well I mean some of them don't (laughs) but yeah you should already know and you would need to consider how am I going to replenish this carbohydrate stores in my muscle literally anyone else who's training like anywhere between three and six times a week you don't even need to think about it 100 percent agree and just to touch quickly on like because i know that one of now the offshoot questions would be about fasted training like we say like if you are somebody who's getting up and going in and having fucking gnarly sessions every morning at 5 a.m obviously it doesn't make sense for you to eat beforehand because you're just wasting time um but all you like we just said all you need to do is make sure that you're having a nice kind of carbohydrate and protein based dinner the night before and like we said it's only 20 percent of that glycogen which is going to deplete overnight anyway so even if in your head you're like but i feel hungry and i'm in it it's psychological your body's fine to get through that workout um and yeah i mean i like emma and i always talk about this as well frequently like when we aim to kind of get in like a physique shapey goal for whatever reason, which neither of us have done for ages, we do cut carbohydrates and we still lift well and still recover well. And we're fine. I mean, we don't, you know, there's definitely days where I will probably implement slightly higher carbs for various reasons, but generally throughout the course of the week, I'll opt to go lower carb and it's fine. Yeah. Oh, and I trained fasted for years. In fact, I was in the best shape of my life when I trained fasted. Was it because I was training fasted? No, it, but that was just how I decided to do it at the time because it fit with my life. Yeah. yeah exactly. <clears throat> okay. Emma, <clears throat> I have come up to maintenance, but nervous about the scales jumping up. So I have done, oh, oh, sorry, I need to come up to maintenance, but I'm nervous about the scales jumping up. So I haven't done it yet. In my head, I need to lose an lose extra co- to compensate just in case. I didn't think this oh bit of the journey would be so hard. 
just need a bit of reassurance I think any tips thank you both for all you do I feel so lucky to have you both as coaches throw the scales away and throw them away right now you this is ridiculous you should I mean it's first it's really normal and common to be nervous that you know you're going to now start increasing calories and what if I regain some body fat which you won't because Emma and I won't let you we'll do it properly for you um but also you have to accept that the scales are likely going to jump up because you're eating more. And we just how we just talked about glycogen storage, which also pulls on water. So then you're going to get more glycogen storage. You're going to get more water storage and you'll probably end up looking better because your muscles will be a lot fuller and you're going to end up performing better. And you might find, and this happens a lot, you might find that you actually start expending more energy, not only in your workouts because you have more energy from fuel, but just day to day, your set count will just organically and naturally go up. These are all brilliant things. If you're ready to come up to maintenance, you might be surprised that after a period of time, you're back in a deficit and you have to up your calories again. Like this is, this is part of it. The fact that you're so hyper-focused on the scales, your energy is on all the wrong places and certainly trying to lose more now to compensate for them getting up later. Oh my God, throw the scales away. I don't want you weighing in anymore. It's not, this like, it's not healthy. Also, remember maintenance means you're not going to put on body fat. Like you are maintaining where you are. That is the aim of it no matter what the scales do, the scales will still fluctuate at maintenance. It is normal. It is inevitable. My scales fluctuate every single month for hormonal reasons. Like there is nothing that you will ever be able to do about that. If I was like, I'm going to lose more weight so that on when I'm on my period, I don't ever go over this magic number I have set in my head. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The same is true with maintenance. There's no point over dieting so that you don't, the scales, when the scales do go up, you're okay with it because you were even lower weight than you actually want it to be like weight does not measure body composition and actually what you really care about is body composition and beyond that kind of like how you feel how you perform how you look in your favorite outfit like those are the things that actually matter not what the scale says which literally nobody in the world cares about apart from you and I think when you kind of remind yourself of that nobody cares what you weigh apart from you like you're holding yourself back here so I agree with Chloe like I think if you're that fixated on the scales just throw them away use a different marker the scales are a really bad marker as well is that my alarm is that you what was that be no that was the business whatsapp babe well nice oh, done. haven't turned that um, one off yet the scales are a really bad marker as well of like long long-term physique maintenance like it's just not something that we want you looking at in that context. Yeah, you have to zoom out massively. Like if you're fluctuating around the same weight for like months, then we're like, yeah, you're at maintenance. Great. But they will still fluctuate and you will still probably have weeks where you're heavier, weeks where you're lighter. Like it's inevitable. Everything about this question as a coach, I'm just going to be totally frank with you, worries me. I just don't want you weighing in anymore, period. Because I can just see this now becoming like a cycle and it's just not what we want at all. We want to do it properly, healthily. And like Emma said, who the fuck cares about the scales? If, if your goal is physique, which is how you look, which is fine, that's the goal. It's not the fucking scales. Yeah. I mean, put it in another context. If we could get you looking at your, you know, in your favorite physique, the body that you would dream to have, but the scales say you weigh five kilograms more than you are now compared to you not being in that physique, but you, for some reason, weigh this magical number, 60 kilograms that you've always wanted to weigh, which one would you logically choose? Like, of course you would go for looking, feeling, performing at your best. And then it takes the pressure away from the scales. It's just, it, it, 
it is ridiculous but I completely understand it because so oh, many yeah, no, have this problem not, like we're not, not saying alone. I don't, yeah I don't want to come across as being savage I'm but I'm but also I, I'm not going to pretend that I think the stars are a good thing for you to focus on because they're not at all and for some clients well, they're, they not good, a- they're not good for anyone to focus on but I think like that's the other thing a lot of coaches are then like just throw away the scales they're completely stupid they're not completely stupid and actually it's us that misinterpret them like or clients that misinterpret them as being the sole marker of xyz but actually for us as yeah. coaches they're really useful if you come to us with a fat loss goal and after eight weeks the scales haven't moved at all the likelihood yeah. is you've either lost no fat or very little fat like as much as you can really see changes that might not be completely showing up on the scales there's no way that you can lose a lot of body fat and not lose weight like it doesn't happen yeah but at the same time well yeah exactly so we scale weight scale data is really helpful as coaches and there are definitely clients who I mean I know for a fact I definitely will go go very much on that more than anything else there are clients who I could not care less what this guy is saying I want pictures every four five six weeks I want um markers of performance in the gym I want I mean the scales are just not something that I'm fussed about the fact that you now are in a place where you're saying your fatless goal is achieved you're ready to come up to maintenance when we have all your data your steps your workouts per week what calories you're on what your height is what your current weight is we will set you up properly and it does not matter going forward what the scales are going to say um and also and and yeah but the fact of the matter is how Emma said it's not the scales are the problem it's how we perceive them if we get the inkling from the client at any point that, that they are perceiving them in an, okay, this is, I don't mean this word that, to be quite so punchy, but like in, in quite like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Dramatic way, which it sounds like you are, we 100% want to come off because all that's going to happen is you're going to trip yourself up with the actions that we want you to do as coaches. And we're going to, like I say, a cycle is going to start to occur and we're going to end up going round and round and round and round. And it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of our time. Just leave them alone. Yeah, I also think a good way, like a good sort of succinct way to say everything we've just said is that once you don't have a lot of body fat left to lose, the scales are are quite a poor measure. Yes. You can't see very much. And actually, because they're so unsensitive, to small changes like if you're losing I don't know half a pound of fat a week or something they can't they're not sensitive enough to be able to measure that accurately which yeah. means that they give kind of false readings I mean they're not false readings they're just we're trying to use them to measure something that we can't use them to measure so at that point it's like if they're having a negative impact on you stop using them agreed completely agreed. okay right well we've got to go on Instagram right we'll answer these on the live and then we'll get going um just want to pop on and say hi this is from Helen seven weeks ago would never have dreamed that I'd be where I am now didn't have a huge amount of weight to lose but just felt a bit sluggish and puffy at the start of the year I got into a bad habit with food and booze um, during lockdown and I just never stopped but now I feel much more comfortable in my clothes and I'm seeing some embryotic abs appearing oh off uh traveling around Norway next week so have lots of outdoor activities planned and keep up the Good work while I'm away. Can't wait for round two. P.S. I finally made a live after seven weeks. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, make sure you post photos of going around Norway because I bet yeah. that's breathtaking. 
We've never been. I mean, I don't think Emma's been. You've not been, have you? I've not, but my dad's there all the time. Why? I'm desperate to go and see the architecture out there. I hear it's beautiful. He, I think the most amazing thing that he always says, although I'm experiencing this in Scotland at the moment, he's like, in the summer, it never gets dark because you're so north. And in the in the winter, it like never gets... He was on a boat in the winter out there and he was like, the sun never came up. That must be fun. Yeah, you told me that I don't think I'd like that. No. But this morning in my house, it was like at 4.30 in the morning, it was like daylight in my room. I was like, what the hell's going on? I know, I know. James and I have just got new blinds because we're selling the house and the curtains. When it came to the viewing, we were just like, oh, we need to actually do something to this house. And now he, well, it can't, like literally as soon as the sun comes up, it's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and he's really angry about it. Okay, Teresa. I run three days per week, approximately 10 to 15 miles over the week. And my gym on alternate days with one rest day, my gym sessions are push, pull, legs. Is this okay? Or should I change it to full body workouts? Nope, that's perfect. Great. Um, I'm really struggling to get over COVID. My breathing is still not great. 96% O2 stat. And I'm struggling not to just sit and eat for comfort. I can feel myself getting itchy to start training again, but no, I'd be a, it would be a bad idea. Um, how do I get back into the right headspace to allow recovery to be ready for the next round without piling on weight? Oh, that's really tough, Lowe's. I, th- I mean, for me, this is about parenting yourself. Like, of course, it's annoying. Of course, it's frustrating. In a way, it's probably a good sign that you're getting better because you're like frustrated that you can't go and exercise but you still need to listen to your body and you still need to wait till you're fully recovered and the best thing you can do now to make sure you're ready for the next round is to rest yeah I agree did she say long COVID or COVID just get over COVID okay fine so just because the advice would be different if it was long COVID but yeah I agree with Emma you need to rest and recover you need to try to stay on top of healthy dietary decisions healthy caloric intake um whether that's kind of maintenance or very small deficit um rest recover when you when and if you can go outside for like a 10 minute walk do but do not do not overly fatigue or exhaust yourself um and certainly don't train um until you've been feeling 100 percent. i would say for at least at least four or five days agree Okay, guys, if you are interested in more chats with us, then come over to Instagram now. Well, no, because I need a 15-minute okay, toilet break. Okay, Four I hours. agree, I agree. But shortly. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.